I'm turning to the book of Genesis, and I'll give you a moment to find it, chapter 22. Wednesday nights have been off the chain. Man, Tracy killed it this past Wednesday night. We're in a series, and the entire, entire series is just titled, you know, Words Matter. Just those two little words, words matter. And every Wednesday night, there is a different subject. And many of those are life skills that will help you become great in the world you live in and make a significant difference with your life as well as enjoy inner peace, contentment, and satisfaction. And more importantly, even fulfill the calling that God has on your life. And you will not want to miss those. Wednesday nights have been incredible. And then last Sunday, didn't Victor do good? Amen. Praise God. Victor is a son of the house, a son in ministry to me. I'm so proud of you, Victor. I'm turning to Genesis 22 and all of the staff. Then the angel of the Lord, this is verse 15, called to Abraham, everybody say a second time. A second time. We always think that it's about pursuing God. And that is right. But we overlook in our pursuit of God the fact that he is pursuing us. If God doesn't speak speak to you, 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 you can't move forward in your life in your pursuit of him. If God doesn't reach down, your arms are too short to reach all the way up to him. It starts with God. And God called Abraham and he speaks to him now. And he said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. And he's referring to Abraham being on Mount Moriah to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. God says, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men that they had left at the base of the mountain when he and Isaac ascended to the top of Moriah. And they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, beginning, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He became sin for us, Paul writes in another place. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God by him. It all starts with God. And then Paul goes on to say that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. I would like for you to notice Before I begin, there were literally only two categories of people 
We're real fond in today's world of segmenting, dividing. It's a strategy that, according to Jesus, is founded in the very depths of darkness. A house divided against itself cannot stand. But originally, there were only covenant people, which is what a Jewish what, what a Jew meant. The word Jew literally means a covenant person. And then there were Gentiles, meaning they were not covenant people. Complexions, geographic locations, nationalities, none of that was originally understood within the construct that God created to identify humanity. We were all made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And sin came and man failed. And God provided a covenant whereby we could make our way back to him through the drawing power of his grace. And that's what these verses talk about. Galatians 3 verse 13 through 14 are considered by many scholars to be some of the most significant in the enormous work of scripture that we have been given. All of which is incredibly significant and valuable to us. I want to speak from this blessing that came upon Abraham that in turn Paul tells us is available to us. And I want to talk to you about what that means. We have been in a remarkable season of deliverance and the supernatural. And I would like for you before I am through today to realize just how committed God is to you. I want to speak this morning from this subject, does God ever kneel? Does God ever kneel? Sounds like a strange question to ask. Father, would you speak to us now? I ask that you would help me in these next few minutes to convey the thoughts and ideas of scripture in such a way that they grasp this audience grasped the understanding of your word. And Lord, I realize for that to happen, it requires your assistance because my abilities are not great enough to make that occur. So I ask and solicit your help in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Shout it again. Amen. The blessing of Abraham that Paul refers to here is spoken by God to Genesis to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 when he first calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees or Abram as he was known at that time. Additionally, it is referred to in Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 22 and the priest without Mother or father, beginning or end of days, Melchizedek refers to this blessing in Genesis 14. It is mentioned throughout the Bible in a number of other important passages of scripture. It is literally the basis of God's covenantal relationship with the nation of Israel that existed then and his reason for still being in relationship with them today. His reason for being in relationship with us. The blessings of Deuteronomy 28, where it says that all these blessings shall overtake you, or as one translation says, 
shall chase you down or the result of the blessings that God pronounced over Abraham and these passages to which I have referred. Blessings such as you'll be blessed when you go out and blessed when you come in. Blessed when you sit down, blessed when you stand up, blessed in the store, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed, blessed, blessed again and again. It says that we would be blessed. These were the blessings that were handed down from Abraham to his descendants, first to Isaac, his son, then to Jacob, on down to the leaders of the 12 tribes or families that constituted the nation of Israel and then throughout its existence only to at the cross now be made available to all of us. They are the theological foundation for the covenant of grace that embraced us as Gentiles who were not a covenant people and enabled us to become a part of this incredible blessing that God spoke. This blessing is so important that God literally instructed the priest who were the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel to speak it over Israel every day. Because the words you speak matter. They matter. What you say in your house matters. What you speak in the privacy of your own mind matters. And so many times we're doing anything but blessing. Especially when we talk to ourselves. We're calling ourselves out for the mistakes we make, the flaws we know that exist within us, and so forth. But in Numbers 6 and 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Sorry, Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then this, this cryptic statement, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. God is literally saying that when you speak, a blessing that there is a, a transference, an impartation of his divine nature that is contained within the words of that blessing. That is so important. Amen. Because he said, when I, you will put my name upon them, his name refers to his character, which is based upon his characteristics his integrity, his faithfulness, his truthfulness, and so many other things. And so when you speak blessing upon your own life, somebody say, I need to speak blessing on my own life. Would you do that? Amen. When you speak blessing upon your life and the lives of those around you, you are giving them an impartation. You say, but you don't know the people that I have to deal with every day. Speak blessing anyway. Because you're giving them something that has the capacity to change who they are into who they are supposed to become. Amen. And Proverbs 10 and 22 said, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. That's so valuable to us, so important because you can be rich in ways other than money. Amen. 
Sometimes your money can be funny, but God can do some other stuff in your life that is greater than what he can, you can do with your own money. Amen. One of the greatest ways to be rich is in your own family. It's in relationships. It's in peace of mind. It's in fulfillment. A sense of satisfaction that you get out of life. You One of the best ways to be rich is to have good health. Am I talking to anybody in the building that knows what I'm, I'm speaking about? All the money in the world don't do you good, any good if you're laid up at Methodist and can't spend it. These are not small things. Sometimes we don't even know how blessed we actually are. Sometimes we could even be persuaded to believe that because we know us so well that we're not blessed. I mean, how could God bless me? I mean, I know who I am. I know what I do. I know the stuff I would not want to have put up on these screens behind me today. I know the thoughts that I think blessed. Uh, God wouldn't bless me. But I want you to know that God is in pursuit of you. He wants to put a blessing on your life. God wants to let his name become a part of who you are because it can change you from the inside out. Amen. I think of Esau who did not value his birthright. And the birthright was what gave him the prerogative or the privilege of being the priest to his family. But he didn't value that. But Jacob did. Now, Jacob was notorious. He was a scallywag. He, he was a bamboozler. He was a con artist. He deceived his own brother Esau and got the birthright away from him. But what Jacob had, in spite of all of his messed up goings on, Jacob had a hunger for God. Amen. Uh, I need to talk to somebody because you and I come from religious backgrounds and we were taught there's nothing worse than sin. But can I tell you, there's one thing worse than go, just going out and, and doing a bunch of wrongs. And that is for you to not want to know your savior, for you to not be in love with God. Now I got to fix that in some of your minds. Because you think sin is, it doesn't get any worse than sin. Well, the greatest commandment is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with, say it with me, all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If that's the greatest commandment, the greatest sin is to not fulfill the greatest commandment. If you're not loving God, that is the greatest sin that exists. And I'll tell you why it matters, because if you love God, God will pull you out of whatever you're in and turn your life around. He will make a profound difference in your life. Jacob had to flee from his brother Esau after that. And he came to a place called Luz that is still there in Palestine to this day. It's now called Bethel. 
after, as a result of what happened that night. Jacob comes to this cairn of rocks, this pile of stones scattered all over, stacked up in some kind of random way, laid down to go to sleep. He was running from his brother Esau, and that night he dreamed a dream. And he dreamed of a ladder that stretched up, a stairway from earth to sky, angels ascending, descending. At the head of it was the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and said, Jacob... I'm going to cause the blessing that was on your granddaddy that came upon your father Isaac to be passed on to you. I see the mess you're in, but I see the hunger that's in your heart. I'm talking to somebody in this building. I know you got some junk going on in your life, but God's not about to walk away from you and give up on you just yet. If you can still have a desire in your heart to know God, God will find you wherever you're at. Jacob thought nobody in the world knew where he was. But God had put a GPS tacker, a tagger, tack, whatever it is, under the fender of his camel. Amen. God knew exactly where Jacob was at. And God knows where you are. God knows where you're sitting in this building right now. God knows where you live and God brought you to this place today to speak a word to you. I love this story. I love this story. Jacob felt that he could not deserve the blessings of God. Even after God changed his name after an encounter with with a theophonic presence of God, an angel who was actually... The manifest presence of God. And God called, said, your name is no more Jacob, but it's Israel, a prince. Jacob still went around calling himself Jacob. Because he knew who he was. He was the heel grabber. He was the thief. Some of you need to stop calling yourself what you've been calling yourself all your life. And start calling yourself by the name not God knows you by. I'm preaching better than some of you are responding right now. God said, I'm going to bless you. Now we talk about that and we ordinarily understand the word bless means to walk in a special sense of God's favor. But do we really know what that word means? It's a fascinating word. The word actually is from one of seven main Hebrew words that we use to worship God. Words like halal, talila, and others. These are all words that express ways we worship God. There's one for clapping the hands. There's one for shouting. There's one for singing. There's one for dancing. And you see this word barak, which is the Hebrew word for, for uh, bless here is actually one of the ways we worship God. It literally means to kneel. And most of us are accustomed or we are aware of the posture of kneeling whenever people worship. Some were doing that up here. More commonly, people kneel in terms of an inner posture. Though it is always permissible to kneel physically. This is what David said in Psalms 34, 1. I will bless or barak the Lord. I will kneel before the Lord at all times. Now, obviously, you can't go through life on your knees 24-7. So what this literally means is that the psalmist is saying, I will adopt 
an inner posture of submission or kneeling to God. Psalms 103 verses 1 through 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Again, the word Barak. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Again, the word Barak. And then in verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. Again, the word Barak. And forget not all his benefits. Each of these words mean to kneel. Each place it is used. As Christians, again, that doesn't mean that you will only, God will only hear your prayer or receive worship that you offer him on your knees. It is more about the inward condition of your heart. That instead of standing in obstinacy and in your own self-will, that you find a place of submission and say as Christ did, not my will, but thy will be done. Somebody say amen. I'm often in parts of the world where there are many Muslims. I just returned yesterday. My voice is scratchy. This is why. But you will see Muslims, they kneel five times a day as part of their daily devotions, the Salat. And and I've done this before once in this place, but I'm going to do it again. When they kneel, they, they kneel like this. They don't just get down on a knee like this. They they kneel in this manner. And then they bend over with their both Both of their hands place their palms on the ground and they go down until their forehead presses against the floor like this. This is actually the word that is being used here. It means to kneel before God. Now you say, why is kneeling important? Notice that when I'm standing, my head is above my heart. This is my intellect. This is my passion the core of my being. But when I kneel, can everybody see it from this direction? What you're doing is you're putting. Your heart above your intellect. Sometimes you got to praise him when it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you've got to worship when you don't feel like worshiping. Sometimes you need to worship and people look at you and ask, don't you, you know what you're going through? Yes, I do, but my passion is greater than my intellect. In the scripture, people blessed others. And that would literally mean to kneel. They would often literally kneel when they would meet meet other people. I see that often in Africa. Um, The brother, if he's here from Tanzania, can can tell you this. But, But when people greet you, I'd meet people for the first time. Not because I deserve it. I don't. But there there are people that love to show honor. And so to show honor to their guests, people will do this. They will do that. Men will do that. And, and women will curtsy all the way down like this. Very unusual. And uh, some folk would have a problem with that possibly here in America. But I love the fact that they are a culture that show honor. In the Bible, in Genesis 14, 19, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. It's the same word that is used there. 
that literally it is the word Barak, which means to kneel. Genesis 27, Isaac laid his hands on his son Jacob and blessed him. Genesis 47, 10, Jacob met Pharaoh for the first time, blessed him, knelt in honor of him. Genesis 48 through 49, Jacob was passing as he was passing to the other side into eternity. He blessed his 12 sons and bestowed upon them honor and declared their prophetic destinies over them. One of the problems we have in today's world is nobody knows how to show honor anymore. I needed a better amen than that. Your promotion in the kingdom of God is tied into your ability to show honor to what God is honoring. You think about that. If you can't honor what God is honoring, then God is going to have a hard time being able to bless you. God blesses us and that is so powerful because it uses the very same word that means to bow, to kneel. When it says that God blesses us, Genesis 1.28, the scripture says that God blessed Adam and Eve. Now, but wait a minute. I've got to show you this because there's a timeline involved. The one who wrote the book of Genesis, wrote the first five books of the Bible, was of course Moses as they were dictated to him by God. Moses didn't know any of this stuff. God told him what to write. And so Moses comes only, what, 1,400, 50 years before Christ, 1,500 years roughly in that period of time. And he has an encounter with God on Mount Sinai. And God reveals the sweeping saga of the past and tells him, you write this. And he sits down and he writes Genesis and he writes Exodus and he writes all through this and then gives it to us. In other words, it was after the Hebrew language had been developed. Now, the Jewish people would make the argument that God spoke Hebrew when the worlds were created. And this is important, so stay with me. i got to show you a timeline. But at the time Moses is writing it, it is thousands of years after creation. Thousands of years afterward. And God dictates to Moses the words to write. And which word does God use when he tells Moses that I blessed the children or I blessed the the world. I blessed Adam and Eve. I blessed their descendants. He uses the same word that by the time God gives it to Moses is already well known as the word that is defined kneel. Whoa. And that blows my mind. Why does God say he blessed? Adam and Eve and use the same word. Does God kneel? This is, when I ran across this, I thought, oh my God, what does this possibly mean? It says in Genesis 2 and 3, God blessed the Sabbath day. Genesis 9, 1, God blessed Noah and his sons. Genesis 12, 2, God blessed Abraham. Throughout scripture, in fact, 330 times alone in the Old Testament, this word is used. Now you're getting quiet. Because to us, as I've already explained, the word bless is one of the words we use to worship. But that worship is based upon our honor. It's based upon the fact that we want to give him praise. We want to recognize his glory. Now then, I want to show you something. Because it is what this word bless is made up of in Hebrew. And then I'm done. 
Are you telling me, pastor, that when God blesses me, he honors me? Are you telling me this, pastor? The word Barak is made up of three Hebrew letters. And the Hebrew language is fascinating because it is made up of, of pictograms. It is, that is drawings. Each letter of the alphabet is a drawing, a picture. And you put them together and it spells words. It's much like some of my ancestors and some of yours here in North America wrote those, 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 those drawings on the walls of, of clay, uh, caves and cliffs. And, and they drew pictures. That was their way to communicate in a similar fashion. And like the Hebrews and like the Egyptians and like many others, many other languages, these pictures had meaning. When you use the word Barak, it is made up of three different Hebrew letters. The word or the letter Bet, B-E-T, the letter Resh, R-E-S-H, and the letter Kaf, K-A-F. Now, I want you to listen to this because this is fascinating. The pictograph for Beth, Bet is the, the first letter of the word Barak, is of a tent, And what it speaks of is when you come into the family of God, God covers you. Amen. And you are now a part of his house. I'm talking to somebody that needs to know God's got you covered. You're not by yourself in a long, cruel world anymore. You're not out there in a hostile world left to fend for yourself. I want you to know when you get saved, you become a part of the family of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it speaks of unity and togetherness in a family. The letter Resh is of a head. The pictograph is of a head. And it represents like the head of a man above the body. And it has to do with elevation. And it has to do with with rule and authority. So when you come into the family of God, God makes you a part of his family. You begin to experience elevation because God makes you the head and not the tail. I'm talking to somebody. I need, I need to hear somebody say, I got that. You may believe that you're at the bottom and you're not worth very much. But I want you to know God saw something in you that not even your own parents could see. And whenever God passed by, he said, live and picked you up and elevated you, made you become part of his family. Oh, somebody give God some praise here this morning. My voice is a little strained from, from being in, in, out in the open air in that revival, so I'm just about done. But we come to the, the letter Kaf, K-A-F, because it is the picture of the palm of a hand. Hold your hand out like that. Would you do that? Your hand can contain things. So when you get saved, God brings you into his house He elevates you and he holds you in the palm of his hand. You're not here because you want to be. God's got a hold of you. You're not here because you're so strong. God won't let you go. I'm talking to somebody that wonders if they can make it through what they're going through. Oh yeah, 
God's got you in the palm of his hand and the devil will never be able to pull you out. Can somebody in this building give God some praise? Hallelujah. Literally, in Hebrew, the word for spoon is the same letter, cough. Because with a spoon, you can also give things out. So God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to make you be a blessing. And when you become a part of God's family, the blessings are meant to flow through you into a lost world that needs God. I need somebody in the house to stand up and say, I am not only blessed, I'm going to be a blessing. Give God some praise. Remain standing because I'm done. You say, Pastor, I've got a lot of questions about this. I'll have to answer them another time. Because you didn't bring lunch with you today. But I want you to know this. The enemy is trying to tell you that you can never, ever be blessed because you know yourself too well. You know your imperfections. You know your flaws. You know your mistakes. You know your shortcomings. You know the places in your life where you've messed up. But God can take you and your mess and turn that all around and speak a blessing upon your life. And before he's done, you are now being used of God to bless other people. Your mess becomes your your message. Your test becomes your testimony. Your failures are used by God and are given redemptive grace to help somebody else going through something similar. I need you to put your hand over your heart right now. And say, God has spoken a blessing over my life. I didn't hear you. Come on. God has spoken a blessing over whose life? My life. Who is blessed? God has spoken a blessing over my life. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm being elevated right now. Do you hear what I'm saying, devil? I'm being elevated in spite of all you can do to hold me back. God's got me in his hand. Every head bowed. There's somebody here today that's not ready to meet the Lord. Hasn't given their heart to God yet. You don't know about the favor and blessings of God yet because you've not yet entered into covenantal relationship with God. But would you slip up your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, I need him in my life. I want to be blessed. Raise your hands right where you're at. God bless you. Keep raising them. God bless you and you and you and you and you and you. Keep raising them. God bless you. I I need the blessing of God. God bless you and God bless you and God bless you and you and you and you. Hands all over this building. Those of you that are 
or at home. You need the blessing and favor of God. You pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Save me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm asking you to come into my heart. Sit on the throne of my life. And make me yours. In Jesus name. And I believe it's being done. Give God some praise in this house for every person that prayed that prayer. Come on, let me hear you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.